When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the first time in forever, there's an episode of the rise and fall of Mars Hill. That's what we're going to talk about. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And today we are finally getting back to reviewing the rise and fall of Mars Hill. It has been a while since they put an episode out Mm -hmm. and boy, did they put out a doozy. So before we dive into that, honey, is there anything you would like to say? (laughs) I know there isn't, so we'll just Uh. move along. Um... We always think about this before we start the show, like, hey, do you want to say anything or pray about anything? And we're like, nope, nothing. So (laughs) um, I will, uh, since we should ask you for prayer, because we should always be asking for prayer, uh, just pray for us, pray for this podcast. Um, If you listen to it and you enjoy it, uh, pray for us that, you know, God would enlighten us and give us, you know, new motivation and you know, new understanding and ways to spread this podcast and find a new audience and all those sorts of things, because we really enjoy it. That's our heart. And we want to bring good godly messages to you guys. And uh, yeah, so just pray for us. And I was really looking forward to talking about a more biblical topic this week, one that's been really wanting to get to for a while. Uh, we're going to base it on a sermon, so maybe next week we'll get to that. I knew this would come out and because then Mars you had something Hill. you wanted to talk about. Yep. Which I meant, you know, this is episode 11, and there's only 12 episodes, so kind of wrapping it up here. And, you know, I'll be honest, I'm getting a bit exhausted. Like, when I saw that there was a new episode out, I was kind of like, oh, man, I don't really want to spend the time listening to this. But... I thought it was a good episode. Um, So just kind of before we dive into specific things, and we're going to do this much the same way we always do. Um, And this was an incredibly long episode. If you didn't listen to it yet, it's two and a half hours long. So it's basically three shows rolled into one. There's Um, a lot of names. It's just hard to remember who each person is they're talking about. Yeah, because this one basically, if I can just give a quick synopsis, they basically take they take you back to the first episode. So basically where the first episode starts, you know, the, the last 10 episodes have kind of led you down this path. And then mm-hmm. episode 11 picks it up and sort of ends back where one started kind of a thing. So a neat little, um, you know, timeline yeah. there, but it's a lot to get into. So like we always do, we're not going to break down the entire episode. Um, we would encourage you to listen to it yourself, but we're going to kind of pull out the things that we thought were interesting or fascinating, or maybe we agreed or disagreed with and just our overall take of the episode. And then, you know, let you go and listen to it and decide for yourself. So, um, before we get into the specifics, is there 
What was your initial impression of the episode? I don't know. It was, it's a lot to take in, like you said. Well, because um, you texted me like halfway through you uh, listening to it. I was just like, all right. Uh, Mark definitely was not uh, ready. Or if God even ever called him. Although God uses all things, God did good things through it all. I just like, there's something odd about Mark. He's got a lot of issues. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we've had our issues with the Christianity Today reporting, you know, because in large part, this podcast has been not so much, and this is maybe my biggest complaint about the podcast series in general, it's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, but 90% of it is basically, you know, Mark Driscoll was an awful dude and ruined a great church is kind of the theme Mm -hmm. running through there. And that's been my big complaint about this podcast up to this point. But in this episode, um, probably more so than any other episode, you really start seeing some big character flaws in Mark Driscoll. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I don't think it necessarily changes my opinion from where it was before this episode launched. Like it's not all on him because other people noticed things and never spoke up. They're all, a lot of people say, oh, I... You know, I should have listened to my initial um, thoughts or feelings or, you know, something stood out to me a long time ago and I should have said something back then. Yeah. And that's been, again, my biggest contention here. You know, we've gotten pushback earlier on. It's been a little while, but, you know, some of our earlier episodes where we sort of defended Driscoll a little bit and people think maybe that we're kind of like Driscoll apologists and we try not to be. We said he's obviously guilty of the things he's Mm -hmm. done. But there were so many more issues in that church than just Mark Driscoll. Right. And I think maybe I don't feel like Christianity Christianity today is trying to highlight that. They seem to try to be dumping everything on Mark Driscoll. Yeah. But through their just simple reporting and podcasting, it just jumps out to me that like, man, this church had so many weak, uh, mm-hmm. like weak links. Weak links. And yes, Driscoll was the biggest, weakest link probably. I mean, he's the big dog. He's the lead pastor. He's obviously ultimately responsible. I don't know. Well, maybe not ultimately responsible. I mean, everyone had their own part to play, but, you know, obviously he takes the brunt of it, but man, there were so many flaws in this church and it's a real shame because I still stand by the Mark Driscoll that launched Mars Hill in the late nineties is a that Mark Driscoll is a pastor we need mm-hmm. today um, with that mindset and that sort of heart for the ministry that he was launched into. And I definitely still think there's a probably a greater need today for that min- ministry and that um, line of teaching than there even was in the late 90s. Yeah, um, so it's definitely a shame. That's what got everybody initially on board. They wanted to be a part of that. And it's what it was turning into mm-hmm. that people started backing away and realize they're stuck because they love the people in the church and they knew what it meant if you resigned that you were cut off not just from going to church but it's like everybody just ignored you like you didn't exist yeah it definitely seemed pretty weird um and i do want to mention just before we dive into our first topic there is another um show that does reviews on 
well, they did a review. So it's a podcast called Cultish that is put on, I believe, by Apologia Studios. Um, and they do a review of Mars Hill. And theirs is more of like a entire show review. So there was probably only 10 episodes when they did the review. So they kind of take all of it, but they have a former Mars Hill um, pastor, I believe, that comes on there and kind of interviews. So it's just another take because, mm -hmm. you know, again, we've gotten pushback and pretty serious pushback that, you know, people are like, hey, how dare you say these things? You know, I went to Mars Hill and they're super offended by what we said. So if you want to go and get a more um, authentic, because we've told you, the only thing we know of Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill is Christianity Today's podcast. And we're trying to keep it that way so that we're not biased in what we hear. Because our, you know, the reason we did this podcast is we heard reporting on this church. And by about episode five, I was like, man, they got atheists on here trashing the church. They got all this stuff going mm -hmm. on. Like, all right, we need to start talking about this. So uh, that's why we've tried to stay biased a little bit and just listen to it like somebody else might listen to it. What's your first impression? Because, you know, media, podcasts, documentaries, and stuff like this have a way mm -hmm. of swaying you to a certain opinion. And I think Christianity Today is trying to sway you that this yeah. Mark Driscoll guy is yeah. a really awful dude. And then if you listen to this cultish podcast, and I'll try to have it linked in the show notes, um, you know, the, the pastor that they interview and the point that they come to a lot is much the same that we come to. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of flaws in there. Mark Driscoll wasn't necessarily this, you know, super awful guy. And they sort of point out the fact that it looks like Christianity, Christianity today is really just trying to dog on the reformed Christian faith mm -hmm. a lot. Um, so a little bit different take than what we've seen. So yeah, just he made a little jab at MacArthur in that. Yeah. Like he had no sense of humor or something or. And if you listen to this episode, John MacArthur's brought up in here. Yeah. And if you are you know, in the Mars Hill, Mark Driscoll camp, then maybe you do have a little more negative take on John MacArthur than, you know, someone like us who we love John MacArthur. We think he's fantastic. So, um, but that's it. That's kind of our overview leading into this. So um, I will lead off with the first point just because it really got under my skin. And it's not an I told you so, but I have gotten pushed back on this. Um, for my stance and I, not that I need to feel vindicated, but I felt like it was even more highlighted that my assumptions were correct. And that was Jesse Bryan, mm -hmm. man, as bad as they try to make Mark Driscoll look, I still think Jesse Bryan was the worst thing involved in that church. Um, maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but he was awful and he came off really, really bad in this episode. I don't know why he's always in there. I don't know what Mike Cosper sees in, <laughs> and it's so weird too, because like everybody talks glowingly of Jesse Bryan, like the Mike Anderson guy who gets interviewed, even in previous episodes, he talks about his close relationship with Jesse Bryan. I'm like, what kind of spell did this dude have over the people of that church? And in this episode, man, he, he just stood out to me like a gigantic cancer in that church. Um, mm -hmm. there is a point where he talks about, first off, he drops curse words yeah. quite a lot in this episode, which I don't understand why Mike Cosper, um, again is 
bringing that and Jesse Bryan into his podcast, but like that must be how he talked at the church all the time too. And it must be what normal Christians like to hear when it comes to breaking down a church. Cause everyone else seems to think, yeah, let atheists say whatever they want about our church. So I don't get it, but, um, he was in there and the point that jumped out to me cause he gets interviewed a lot, but he talks about Sutton Turner and when Sutton Turner, you know, comes into the church or whatever, and he's like making fun of Sutton Turner. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, this dude walks in and he's got his stupid Harvard ring on. And like, what does that matter? You know, and then he's talking <laughs> about how like Mark basically told Jesse Bryan, I need you to submit to Sutton Turner because Sutton Turner came on as the general manager of Mars Hill and Jesse Bryan worked for Mars Hill as a creative director, obviously underneath the general manager. And he's basically in this episode making fun of Sutton Turner and saying, like, there is no way I would submit to this guy. And I thought, here's just another example where atheist Jesse Bryant, and if he's not an atheist, because he never outright says it, but he also makes fun of his mom in earlier episodes for yeah. trying to lead him to faith. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you would explain him any other way that, than an atheist, because he simply doesn't understand christian ideology in a christian lifestyle you know because the idea of submitting to authority especially in a church atmosphere is absolutely christian Um, how would you expect an atheist to to do that you wouldn't like you can't hold them to a biblical standard when they're an atheist what do you expect yeah and he's even done this and we've talked about it in previous episodes where he you know talks about the church volunteers, they got asked to work more at the church, you know, 20 hours a week or whatever. And his point was like, who benefits from these volunteer, uh, volunteers working 20 some hours a week? He's like, oh, well, the pastors benefit. Because again, he doesn't have a Christian mindset where like, mm-hmm. no, we work for the Lord and our treasures are laid up in heaven. Mm-hmm. So we're working for ourselves, for God. So he doesn't understand Christian things. Well, he's just speaking from Satan's point of view, like the victim mindset. He wants everybody to think, oh, poor me. Because, well, when he left, he was like that. He, oh, he was yeah. the victim. He was the big victim. he's the one who stepped away. And he not only mocks this Sutton Turner dude, but then he talks about how he gets fired. And sorry, spoilers, but I don't know if he gets fired or resigns. I can't remember. I think he basically he resigns because he won't submit to Sutton yeah. Turner. And he talks about how when he resigned, um, he didn't have, they basically took all of his stuff from him and he didn't have the money mm. to even buy a new laptop to get his stuff from his computer. That was the churches. So he goes and like buys a hard drive and downloads his stuff and leaves. But he keeps making the point throughout there that like, this is my creative team. This was like, my team, we did these things. And I was like, this dude's mindset's all wrong. Like that wasn't his creative team. It was Mars Hill's creative team that worked for Jesse Bryan, who worked for mm-hmm. the other elders in that church. Right. And then he talks about how the church goes through like a liquidation sale whenever it mm-hmm. closes down. And he's super spiteful. He's going to go back and he's like, I'm going to yeah. buy all my gear and he's calling it and I'm buying my gear. I'm getting all the gear that my team had. And like, if you remember back in these episodes, he bragged about how he got Mark Driscoll to basically spend all the church's money on this super high end. He didn't spend a dime on any of it. He didn't spend a dime. And you know that because he didn't even have money to buy a laptop. So how was he buying red cameras back in the early two thousands that probably cost $1,000 
tens of thousands of dollars. So he's like, I'm getting my gear back and I'm getting, you know, yeah. that's my team's gear. And like, he should not have been on this show. This he shouldn't episode. have been on the show. <laughs> and if you have a person like this in your church, and the reason this was so important to me is because man in the Christian community, we are so quick, just like everybody. I mean, we're all flawed, but like we overlook these like spiritual and moral issues for the sake of like um, the performance or like the product that people put out. Cause I'm sure Jesse Bryan was a super talented director, very creative person. Yeah. So they overlooked his selfishness, his unwillingness to submit to authority. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's not a Christian for God's sake, working in your church and even listen to this episode. I was like, I don't know what, cause he complains in there too, that like, once I left Mars Hill, it was so toxic. I couldn't find another job. And I was like, yeah, I hope you couldn't. If your job, if you were looking for work in churches, I sure hope you couldn't find another job because mm -hmm. <laughs> nobody should be hiring Jesse Bryan in their church. Hmm. Um, so yeah, my biggest issue with this entire episode was Jesse Bryan. They gave him a several minutes, like Ugh. a pretty big chunk of it was him so complaining. And I'm like, what does this have to do with the church? I don't know. It just... It was already too long of an episode, so... I don't know. I can't... Yeah. They can just do away with Jesse Bryan. Yeah. Never been a fan of that, and still not a fan. So, yeah. is there a point you want to bring up? Because I rambled for a while on Jesse Bryan. No, we don't need to talk about him more. Let's no, move on. I just mean any other point. I know. <laughs> um... I was just wondering why they wouldn't let him come back and even go to the liquidation sale. Like whoever was in charge of it. I just thought that was kind of odd that they wouldn't even let him come. I know they said it's friends and family, but is that how it goes? Is it just friends and family who can come to a liquidation sale? Sure. If it's a liquidation sale, you can tell whoever you want to come in there. I'm sure there's more to the story that he's just not telling us. They yeah. wouldn't just, you know, treat someone that way because i was just thinking of um well i have a scripture how we're supposed to um love our enemies so if he's an enemy um you know do good to those who hate you pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you you know how we should treat the jesse bryans um i don't know if i mean he worked with them for so long you think he would have some connection like, I know you're not part of the church, but you can just cast off people who, you know, it was pretty much business for him. He was just a, you know, that was just his job. So I don't know why they had to treat him that way. And that sounded like it's not like, like it he was, was part of the body of Christ to begin with. Well, in this episode certainly made it sound like that was just the way they treated all ex-employees. Like, once you left, you were just gone. Yeah. You, you know, so. I don't know. That just... I don't know. That was just one part that kind of bothered me about the church treating him that way. Because, I mean, the scripture goes on to say, um, uh, you know, that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So that scripture came to mind. Um, I don't know. I would 
like to hopefully find out someday why they wouldn't let him come. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I Maybe don't it know. was just friends and family. I don't know. But as always, pray for Jesse Bryan. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. no fans of his, but we still don't want to see him um, in hell. You know, he was around church and the gospel often enough. Yeah. It'd be nice to um, think that he was going to make it to heaven. In it the just end, stinks so. that he had to be working for a messed up leadership church, you know? So well, how is we, he ever going to be, I don't know, have another chance? Well, how would he ever listen? And I'm still of the opinion that he played a large part in the turning of the old Mars Hill into the new, Mar- oh, new Mars Hill. So when he's like, this is my stuff, that made me think Mark, when he said, whose church is this to, um, was it Tim? Yeah. Yeah. That's the same mentality. Yeah. So pray for Jesse. Still not a fan, but we want to see him in heaven. Um, but as the episode sort of opens, kind of the first big issue that's brought up in this episode is the book that Mark wrote, Real Marriage. Um, and they go into pretty deep lengths here um, to kind of describe what was such a big flaw in this book. Like, you know, obviously it wasn't necessarily the book too much. It was more the way that the church and Mark seemingly spent kind of the church's money mm-hmm. to drive real marriage up the New York Times bestseller charts um, and these sorts of things and how, you know, that was mm-hmm. obviously not good. Um, yeah. So that was one of the things. But what kind of caught me about the whole real marriage story, and we've had this issue with Christianity today, they make the point early on that this real marriage and what was written in the book was just really controversial, you know, not what Marx normally preached. Um, they talk about how a lot of the different leaders and stuff in the church had a lot of issues with the book, but like Christianity and Mike Cosper have always done, they never actually tell you anything about the book. Mm-hmm. They just lead you down this path that real marriage is this really bad book. Everybody knew it was really bad. And then they just go, oh, so you should just assume it's really bad. And it could be. I've never read the book, but this is just more evidence because they've done this in the past. Hey, Mark preached on this topic and it was super crude or whatever happened to be. But they never mentioned like a verse or what he had to, you know, if he was off base, if he was unbiblical. And then the same thing here. They're like, ah, you know, everyone knew this book was really weird and bad. And you're like, okay, well, cool. What'd they say in there? That was really awful. And then they're like, ah, just brush along. Just take our word for it. And Mm -hmm. I really don't like that. I know. It's just I know. There's just so many things that that he says, and I'm like, we need to dig into this more. I don't know. Just a lot of. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, it was just yeah. Again, the book could be bad, could be good. I don't know, but I just don't like the way that they lead you down a path to believing. It makes you want to go get something, one, read it. But um, <laughs> you know, they do make the point in there that there's this you know big time uh like christian publishing agent that works with you know other christian authors and stuff and they kind of make the point that like this is something um you know this whole driving up sales might be something that more people do kind of using their own money but then they also talk about how mark had sort of put out a bunch of these books and he got caught essentially plagiarizing 
in almost every book that he had. Mm -hmm. Um, And they sort of make this point that these celebrity pastors and Mark especially had essentially like creative writing teams that they would basically write. And they kind of alluded to the fact that they would write a lot of stuff for Mark and then he would kind of just put his name and a few finishing touches on it Mm -hmm. and then pump out a book. You know, just That's so crazy. I never because, heard of that. Yeah, like now you just attach Mark's name to it. It becomes a more of a, you know, a better selling book kind of a thing. And I was just like, man, you know, I can't believe that this is only a Mark Driscoll thing. Yeah, he gets all his ideas from someone, though. Well, I just, you know, you think about Christian authors and stuff like, you know, Max Lucado seems to have a new book out every Thursday, basically. <sighs> So you're right. like, I'm like, where do they have the time? To I be wonder if Max Licato is doing something again. I don't want to, de- you know, defame well, anybody or well anything known. like that. Yeah. But like people that put out so much content all the time and yeah. books and all this you stuff. Wonder. And you're like, yeah, like, like, I know they got a family. How are they? Yeah. So just something to consider. Uh, it definitely sounds a little bit seedy, right? I mean, they get all the praises for it. And yeah, they get the praises. Know. Seemed like Mark was getting some royalties on this as well. Um, you know, the church paid for it. Mark got the royalties. Right. Definitely. Mark looked bad, especially yeah. in the real marriage thing. Not necessarily for the content he wrote, because we don't know what he wrote, um, but just for the way, obviously, the book was marketed. It was paid for. All that sort of stuff seemed it was a lot of money. dirty for a, a normal person to do and really awful mm-hmm. for a pastor to do. So um, yeah. definitely a big, big point there. So... Mm-hmm. um. And then, do you want to jump into any of your points? So I'm not always um, stealing the thunder. Um, I didn't really have anything else on the book on that whole issue. I mean, no, that was I a big care. part of it and how they found out about it. I mean, there's a lot more to it, how that all got opened up and they discovered the plagiarizing. It was pretty cool, actually. I liked how how it went down it just happened to be that that um that lady had uh a show what was it uh janet yeah something. i don't know some old radio talk yeah, show or something but she ended up knowing the you know who who yeah, it was he was plagiarizing like, like she knew that person really well and we're just what are the chances i was just like that's well, kind of basically csi'd the plagiarizing in the book they go into it they talk a lot about the real marriage sort of scandal and how they found out about it. The plagiarize really fascinating. So definitely give a listen to that and mm-hmm. be cautious mm-hmm. if you plan on writing books in the future, and stealing other people's work. So uh, they will probably find you yeah. if you gain any notoriety. So yeah, that's embarrassing. That was really, I don't know. I just thought when she had him on her show, like how he twisted it all and made himself a victim. And, you know, he was mad that she made the focus on him plagiarizing and how everybody like sided with Mark and like attacked her for just pointing out something obvious. Like that's why she wanted him on the show. Really? And she read his book and everything. And oh, yeah, he played the victim pretty well. Yeah. So. I'm just like, wow. Like her whole staff, like they were against her and it's just crazy how people believe the victim the and they're not even really the victim it's just amazing how people fall for that well, and it's her reason. tone her tone was the problem 
So she had to apologize for just her tone. Just a naggy old woman. I'm just, just like, kidding. I like this girl. I, it's just crazy. How all the people who sided with him. Well, people play the victim because it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was crazy. But in the end, it didn't work for him. Oh. So one of the other big issues and probably the biggest point um, from the entire episode that kind of spanned the entire episode, and it's really been a point that we've been talking about since episode one, essentially, the weak eldership that existed mm -hmm. at Mars Hill. And they make a point in there sometime in the first hour of the show um, where they're talking about, uh, I think it's Sutton Turner is kind of talking about looking into the finances at the church. And then he's getting together with sort of, sort of the elders and talking about finances, but they make a point and I'm just paraphrasing here where they say like the elders essentially, um, you know, they had the ability to stop Mark and the spending and stuff like that, but they chose to essentially avoid conflict and sort of let him do what they want or what he wanted rather than getting into these constant conflicts with Mark and sort of the senior leaders of the church. And I was like, that is the point that I've been making. Mm -hmm. And it's so nice to finally hear it set on here. And again, mm -hmm. not to prove that I'm right, but just the idea that like, if you don't have good leadership around you, like we've already talked about how Mark kind of seemed to have been led astray by some of these people that were in his life um, or in the church. And I was like, here's the eldership, at least admitting to the fact that like, yeah, I mean, we had the ability as elders to stop a lot of the things that were going wrong in the church. But man, it would have been ugly. It would have been uncomfortable for us. So it was just easier to let Mark do it. And then he just took the fall as the bad guy and it made our life easier. And I was like, what a bunch of weak, toxic leaders, you know, even to call themselves like they leaders. all knew that he was just hurting other people in the church, like all the other people who had to experience just his ugliness, his, he had no mercy whatsoever. I was just thinking on his character. Like he didn't represent God, um, a godly leader at all. Like everything was just like, get on board with my ideas or you're out of here and you don't exist to me. Just like a narcissist would be. Well, and this is why like, fame is the worst drug in the world. And, you know, you might, again, not trying to alleviate any of the guilt that Mark bears, but like, you know, as you're this big time pastor, think you're called from God. And then if you just have a bunch of leaders that just say yes to you on everything, you're like, yeah, what I'm doing is right. Everybody around me, all these other spiritual godly men are telling me mm -hmm. that what I'm doing is right. I mean, if it wasn't right, they have the ability to stop it. Mm -hmm. So we're all apparently on board with this. And then, you know, you obviously get to a point though, where, you know, now he doesn't even need that sort of affirmation because he's beat been so puffed up and prideful in all these sorts of things. And again, he still bears the weight of that sin, but like we have tried to show throughout this where it looks like these, the Jesse Bryans of the world have led Mark from being the guy he was um, when he founded the church and started the ministry to this guy he was in 2014, this sort of ugly monster <laughs> version of who he once was. And mm -hmm. a point that I just want to make because they make it in that cultish podcast 
um, because they talk in the rise and fall of Mars Hill that, you know, Mark didn't found the church on his own. He founded it with two other guys, one named Leif Moy and the other named Mike Gunn. And Christianity today sort of makes it seem like Mark threw these guys under the bus and just took the church from them and, and ran them out. Um, and that's the way they're sort of portrayed as like victims of Mark Driscoll. Um, but if you listen to the Cultish podcast, the guy who worked for Mars Hill, he says in there that it was a good thing that they left because he says Leaf Moy and Mike Gunn had moral flaws um, that was best for them to leave the church. So, okay. uh, you know, and this is our biggest problem with everything in Christianity today, right? Because we know when you have two sides of a story, the truth lies somewhere in mm-hmm. between. Um, so we're only getting the Mark Driscoll's a monster point of view. Mm-hmm. So it's good to hear someone from the other side go, oh, I mean, maybe, but look, there were a lot of other guys that did right. things wrong it's too. Everybody else is a victim when they like all contributed. They all knew, you know, that everybody talked about him behind his back and then they all come together again, pretending they didn't just talk about what a horrible leader he is. And, and then they just continue working for him. Yeah. And that was, again, goes back to the weak eldership in that church. And there was a point near the very end of the podcast. Um, they're re recounting. Um, if you remember episode one, they have this guy named Paul Tripp who sort of goes in and tries to work with the church, um, to sort of bring some healing and reconciliation. He ultimately steps away and then they have him um, you know, taped on a phone call saying how this is the most toxic environment he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. one of the things they asked, uh, I think it was Mike or Paul Tripp that they ask, and they say like, hey, you know, what should we do to help this situation? And I'm, again, paraphrasing. But Paul Tripp says like, hey, do you remember when um, Mark gave you those gifts or whatever? And they're like, yeah, the stones. And Paul goes, yeah, you need to pick up your stones, like, and a little more crude, but like, you need to pick up your stones, like, pick up your manhood, and you have to go and attack this issue in the church. And I thought that is so perfectly well said because these guys have spent almost what twenty years or fifteen 18. years at this point, oh, at that point, fifteen, eighteen years at this point of not picking up their stones mm-hmm. and just letting Mark apparently run roughshod over the whole place. And now here's a respected church sort of um, psychologist or whatever he was going, hey, man, uh, maybe it's time you guys stepped up and started acting like men because uh, you haven't been doing that up to this point. And I thought there was a perfect example of it. And it was so good. I wrote it down in a note and... um. There was a guy, again, near the end of the podcast, his name was like Dustin Miller or something, if you remember that. They were at this big conference. Uh, It was like a year-end conference, like a holiday conference that all the pastors went to for Mars Hill. And it was right near the end before Mars Hill finally crumbled and broke apart. And everyone knows, you know, there's all these issues going on. um, And this guy's like, (laughs) he comes to the decision, this guy named Dustin or something like that. And he's like, I'm going to confront Mark at this conference Um, he's like i'm gonna go and confront him and i'm gonna let him know (laughs) big big tough dustin's about to go and confront (laughs) mark driscoll and then they're like but then there was this you know really uncomfortable scene that happened basically completely aside from mark driscoll and he's like 
and it just sort of messed up Dustin's great plan. So oh, he ultimately right. never went and said anything to Mark, even though he was, had his chest all bowed out. He's going to go talk to Mark. And then he's like, well, but, you know, something went weird. Why even happened. talk about your almost? It just looks bad. Don't even bring it up. Yeah. So instead <laughs> he goes back and gets with like three of his friends and writes a letter. <laughs> and again, letters have their place. But like, to me, that was just more of that, like, Dustin, dude, pick up your stones. Go find Mark if you have this big issue and tell him. Don't be like, oh, He's just doing what everybody else I'm going to punch that guy in the face. And you see him and you're like, tomorrow I'll punch him in the face. And you yeah. just like duck out. Not that he's being violent in this. I think it's more of like a spiritual confrontation, yeah. but it's just more evidence of like weak elders that are like just shivering whenever Mark walks into, man, if I see Mark, I'm going to tell him exactly what I think. And they're like, he's right over there. And they're like, well, he's already engaged in a conversation to be rude for me to go up and talk. Like, mm-hmm. no, dude, you're just admit it. You're too it's nervous to go and talk to, to him. Polite. So yeah, just, I thought that was a perfect example of exactly what Paul Tripp was saying. Like pick up your stones, more evidence from the last 11 episodes of weak, apathetic it's leaders. It's just funny. Cause Mark was always preaching that, you know, men be men, you know, be bold and all that, but then they couldn't do that in front of Mark. Yeah. But now they're all on here. Christianity, Christianity today, you know, five, six years removed telling you all the things they would have done. And I would have said, and yeah, you're like, all right, settle down, dude. Like, Hopefully we actually learn and yeah. do differently next time. Cause I don't know, maybe they're all yeah. in a, and I don't want to mock across. these guys. Cause we've all been in that situation where we're good. I swear if I see this <laughs> and then we don't, cause we punk out, but it's just, you know, in a church setting, especially, and this probably just goes for any business, but like, man, you got to have leaders that are comfortable with the uncomfortable, you know, and like, um, and that was kind of a theme that I saw throughout all of this, you know, Jen Smith is reintroduced Mm -hmm. here and she talks about more hardship and uncomfortable, all this sort of thing. And she's been talking about this. She's been going to this church and working there for 16 years and her husband. And I'm like, years ago, he called you a heretic and all these things. And like, you're still still just there there going, you know, but we love Mark and he's our guy. And like, what? It's an abusive relationship. It is like the same mentality. I don't know. And I get, I mean, and that's kind of the idea of this. Mark was this abusive guy and had everyone under his spell. But like, I mean, you're in this obviously toxic environment. She recognizes it. But they're still just like, well, you know, it's a good job. And it just reminds me so much of like the vaccine era that we live in where people are like, I'm completely opposed to, well, I don't want to lose my job. I guess I better go and do it. Well, I mean, I can't homeschool my kids. I guess I'm going to have to get my five-year-old vaccinated and send them back to public school. And you're like, mm-hmm. no, man, stand up. Like, yeah, you don't have to just be afraid of everything. You know, if you're going to put your trust in God and your faith in God, you know, it talks about if you close the grass of the field or whatever i can't think of the verse right now i'll care for you he feeds the birds of the air like how much more is he going to take care of you Mm -hmm. and these people were pastors in a church a reformed church nonetheless who likes to consider themselves much more traditionally biblical and you're Mm -hmm. just like i like i wonder if you're reading that sermon right after mark yells at you and you're like well but i mean i it's not about me and my job. Like, <laughs> you know, I got to make sure it just, it all speaks of just apathetic and weakness. 
And I'm not pointing fingers because we're all weak and apathetic at times. And it just is highlighted here. And I just want to point that out that these were also issues, you know, because yeah. they talk again in here again, because they round it back to the very first episode. Mark Driscoll resigns. And within three hours, a 15,000 person multi-site church closes its doors. Nobody can step up well, and take the reins. I wanted to point out the one ministry that's still ongoing is the one, was it, was his name Tim? Yeah. Uh, what was his last name? Tim? Like, was it Tim or something? Brittany? Was that his wife? Or am I getting the wife? I can't remember. Up? It's something with a G. Well, he, was he the pastor of the downtown church? He was the pastor? Yeah. And yeah, that's where like a lot, that was like the rough church. That was a lot of... Like one of the girls they helped, yeah, the sex trafficking was in trafficking, and her pimp had beat her up, and they took her in, and they started the ministry called it's called Rest Ministry, and it's ongoing to this day. So that is at least one thing still standing, yeah, because of the church. So at least it's actually doing real good. You know, the things that nobody is really going to give you praise for. Like right, that's you're the hanging gospel. out with the least of these. That's and I just wonder if this pastor Tim would have been at the church with Mark, if he would have been the one to stand up, and things would have all turned out different. He just ended up being the pastor of this other church downtown, which is probably where God wanted him. Like God works everything out for good. I just now I'm interested in looking up this ministry and just yeah. seeing. We'll have a link down doing. to that ministry if we have a website link. It'll be down in the show notes. You guys, check it out. Support them. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like they do a lot of good work for sex trafficked women walking in the away. area. I didn't know if you had it in your notes, but how when you hear in the beginning, like their intro song, well, Mark is saying, like, I will I'll tear his church down brick, brick by, by brick. brick. And it, now you know from this episode who he's talking to. He's talking to Tim, and he tells Tim, if you don't... Um, move away and you build your own church because he saw another church as competition instead of co-laborers. He said, I'll tear your church down brick by brick. Like what in the world? Like that is the worst thing so far that Mark has ever said. Like the fact that you can see another church is competition. Like that's crazy. That statement alone disqualifies him as a pastor. Yeah, because apparently when they would have these, they would fire these pastors, they would basically make them sign non-compete clauses. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it came down to like, you can't build a church within 75 miles of Seattle or something like that. Um, and this apparently oh, was fairly common. He built it in Seattle, though. I think eight months later. Right. He ultimately, I think this Tim guy said Tim he did. didn't sign it. Right. He didn't. Um, yeah. But one of the... Uh, Again, looking back on the eldership thing, because they talk about this, they make a lot of these people, they try to have them sign non-disclosure agreements and non-compete forms. Mm-hmm. And it's never Mark presenting these forms to these people. So there's other church leaders and elders, and they talk about interns and stuff like that, that are calling these pastors in and be like, you need to sign this form. Mm-hmm. Like nobody looked at that and went, well, you're trying to have Tim, that godly dude downtown have a non-compete clause, Mm. this is not appropriate. Nobody did that. They're just like, Mark wants to sign. I'm a church elder. Like, come on, man. Like, you're not just sleepwalking through life. But 
Something else that I thought was interesting because they pointed out, and I think they do it to make Mark look bad, as always, everything they did in here was to make Mark look bad, but I don't think it's that bad. And they talk about this Tim guy who had this church, and one of the things Mark says in there is he's like, Tim does things that I can't do or whatever, and he basically making the point that like, he kind of runs his church differently than the way our church is run. And then they make the point that Mark, I think he says something in there that Mark wants to make Mars Hill like Starbucks. He wants basically every church to look the same. So when you walk mm -hmm. in the doors, you know what it looks like. And they kind of point that out to be like, hey, Mark isn't <laughs> letting people, you know, whatever, be who they are and the way God leads them. And I don't think that's a bad thing, right? Because if you are this Tim guy, you want to be a pastor, but you sign up to be a Mars Hill campus, you're basically making Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill bear the burden of planning your church, you know, providing for your church, getting you off the ground, training, all these different things. But then like, as your church gets bigger and you're like, well, now we would just like to do our own thing. And he's like, no, like that's still, it's us. It's Mars Hill. I think Hill. it and should be different because he was in a totally different location dealing with different kinds of people being downtown. I don't think they need the exact same message. They need different kinds of help. I think different people yes, can't be the same. That's true. But then I would say, don't be a Mars Hill church. Yeah. Like if you were like, hey, I right. really want to be an Assemblies of God church because they helped me get my church started and all these sorts of things. But then you get to an Assemblies of God and you're like, I don't like people raising their hands and speaking in tongues and dancing around. Oh. That's just not my thing. You're like, hey, bro, like that's what we do at Assemblies well, of God. Well, you know what Mark does? He says, well, God told me. Well, maybe they're all going to do the God told me thing at their own church. Like if that's your theme, God told me, then everybody's church could look the same because God might be saying something different to each church. I'm just saying, like, if you're Mars Hill, I think it makes sense that you're like, hey, we want everyone to have this experience. We want them to know what they're getting into when they show up to a Mars Hill campus. So you're not like, hey, I'm in Seattle. And I'm going to Mars Hill. And I, yeah, I experienced it the same well, yeah. way. And now I'm going to Texas. Mean. And I went to a Mars Hill con or, you know, church. And it was a Roman Catholic, right. you know, cathedral. And you're well, like, what the church in God's we went to in New Mexico, that was what they said. You go to another one in this state over here, it's going to be the same. We have the same beliefs. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Again, I don't think every style of church fits every congregation. But again, if you don't want to yeah. adhere to the Mars Hill standard church, but then start he, your own church. Did Mark have the brand and lay those we don't rules know that before Tim became a pastor is the thing. Like, we don't know that. They just make the point that right. Mark's this guy who's super controlling and wants everyone to do it exactly the same way as him. And I'm like, I don't think that's bad because if mm -hmm. you have a brand, especially if you're like our brand works. So do the way things the way we do them because it works. And if you're going to be a Mars Hill offshoot and you're going to take the Mars Hill money and get the Mars Hill training and all these well, things, then be a Mars Hill church. If you don't want that, Perfectly okay. Well, Go that's why he church. stepped away. And he did start his own church. Fine. That's how like it successful. should have gone down. <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean, I'm okay with that. I just think, again, they make Mark look bad in this. 
And I don't, I think because it's unfair. Because of that. Yeah. I don't think it's unreasonable that. to think right. you would want people to have the same experience wherever they go. It's not unreasonable. So that yeah. was just my point on it. So just changing it after the fact when you already have had pastors established. I, I don't know. You put them in a bad spot. You do. And again, we don't know the history and the background on it. Um, but do you have any big points you want to bring up still? Um, um, I mean, I guess this is another stab at Mark, but how he wanted that assistant, that same church, Tim's church, the assistant to be fired because he was not there when Mark was there preaching and he was on his honeymoon. It was just unprofessional for him to be gone during that time on a honeymoon. And I thought, all right, that's a little ridiculous. And he told Tim, you got to fire him. You got to fire your assistant. I didn't think you would bring that point up. I agree with Mark. Um, <laughs> listen, I don't. Ag- the thing is, he was on his honeymoon for the church opening or like the reopening. So it wasn't like it was just a random Sunday that he missed. Mm-mm. This was like the church reopening a big celebration day and the assistants like, I'm going to be on my honeymoon. But the pastor okayed him to go. Sure he did. He still shouldn't have gone. But isn't it family and then family first? I don't know. Yes, but this isn't to like. love the brethren and just firing him is not loving. Like, again, maybe, he did everything yes, else right. He was a good assistant. That might be extreme, I guess. Yeah. But again, if you're just in a. And again, everyone's valuable. And all these <laughs> sorts. But you're talking about just an assistant. It's not like this guy was a pastor or something. Like maybe Mark was just like, he's replaceable. Well, he hasn't. But he's just like, you mess up once you're gone. That's who Mark is. It's who he turned into, certainly. Um, but again, I just, I agree with Mark. that You would have fired him. I don't know that I would have fired him. Certainly, I think I'm, I would like to think I'm more loving. But I would have definitely, A, not approved him to leave then because it's a honeymoon it wasn't like your baby was just coming out out of nowhere your wife went to labor oh my god i have to get the hospital you could plan a honeymoon you could have planned it to leave monday yeah but when instead of sunday how much money did they spend on this honeymoon maybe months in advance and then the church opening was planned after that anyway i think it shouldn't have just been like i remember this as a point it was a few years ago and there was a quarterback you probably don't know his name is ben roethlisberger um, and he was having a child. I don't remember if it was his first child or a second or third child. And it was scheduled to be born on the day of, they were playing in the Super Bowl, I think. Oh, or they so were they going were... to, and they were bringing up the point that like, Ben may have to make the decision to either miss starting in the Super Bowl. He's a starting quarterback or miss seeing his child born and they were like you know trying to make him like well what should he do you know family first and i was like you say, uh-uh. was it a scheduled c-section you mean like they knew the baby was gonna i don't think so i just think it was like she could go into she's like right in the window or something hmm. and i was like uh he better be at the super bowl like you're talking about a quarterback that gets paid 25 30 million dollars a year look man it, does it sound unreasonable for most people? Yeah. But when you got an entire city, all this stuff on your back. I think it's fine. I agree with you. Not for a Super Bowl. I mean, like, you. And that's a church on, of Super people Bowl. People go on deployments and are gone on 
business trips and stuff. And yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's life. It, that's a big career. I mean, you so, signed up for it. I don't think the assistant should have been gone. He shouldn't have been fired for it. But I think Tim and him probably should have been maybe uh, spoken to about that. Like, hey, man, this is kind of a big day. I'm your, you know, campus big dog pastor. I'm coming here to preach and your assistant's not even here. Like, come on, man. Get your crap yeah, well, together. Well, he needs an assistant. He can't just fire so, him and not have someone else ready. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He was prepared know. for it. Whatever. I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> I'm okay with it. Um, I know. I know we don't agree on everything. But That's okay. Uh, um, do you have any other things you wanted to bring up? I'm looking over my notes. One right. last point that I have written down, and this is just a side note, Mike Cosper and Christianity Today sort of almost go out of their way to throw David Barton under the bus on this episode. And I forget who he's, he was. Uh, he's a very patriotic Christian. He does a lot of work. This company's called Wall Builders basically trying to find out the faith of our founders and all these sorts of things. And Christianity Today sort of out of nowhere kind of throws him under the bus and sort of his Christian nationalist beliefs. I didn't think it was necessary. It didn't help the episode really at all, other than to be like, oh, this Christian nationalist dude is that his views are incorrect. And I was like, come on, like, <laughs> for what's the point? I don't know. I'm a fan of David Barton, you know, but... Just it seemed unnecessary. I don't know. I yeah, I don't. I don't remember all. I don't know. There was just so many people they brought up. Like I said, like there's just so many little points and situations to talk about. And I thought this one guy, Jared Wilson, he was a blogger for Acts 29. I forget what the Acts 29 was all about. Like I hear it brought up, but it I need to be reminded. A church planting organization. Okay, because he was, and then TGC. That's the Gospel Coalition. Oh, okay. Well, he just had just this quote how, and I can't remember exactly what he was talking about, what he talking about Mark, as Jesus has become lost in Mark's shadow. Just a good line. I, I just liked that line. I thought, yeah, that's true. I think that, yeah. Yeah, it was a good line. And that's obviously ultimately the saddest part about this whole series of shows because Mark's early days and Mars Hill's early days sounded like an amazing um, mm -hmm. place to hear the gospel and mm -hmm. um, worship God. And all of that was squandered and lost. And that in and of itself is sad. And um, yeah. yeah, so it is a very sad story. This whole thing is really tragedy. But in the midst of it, God was working in people's lives and really. Um, just showing people the, the true gospel, what's important, because I think there's a lot of churches like um, Mars Hill that have the same problems. And I, I remember a church we went to where I got to know a couple and they vaguely were trying to say, yeah, the higher up the leadership you go, the worse it gets. And I didn't know what they were talking about then. I was like, why did they, why did he say that? And they were in ministry. And they were in ministry with a mega church, and and I'm wondering now, maybe very similar thing. Oh, I'm certain this isn't that unique. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe the extent to what Mark went um, might be unique, but this idea of 
and again, this is the CEO business mindset. I mean, if you go to a fortune 500 Mm -hmm. company, this is what it is. It's cutthroat. When you try to make a name for yourself instead of elevating the name of God alone, this is what it turns into. Yeah. You make money off of the gospel and yeah, it's, and it's sad because it's going on everywhere and you know what you're doing that people are going to ultimately be, um, knowing your name and knowing more about your church than, than they probably know about the word of God to even test all things that you're even doing in your church and preaching about. Yeah, definitely. So this episode's ran pretty long. Um, but is there any last thoughts that you have before we end this? You want to end it already? I have another page. Well, maybe there are things you already talked about because I'm kind of scattered. Um, I mean, if you have other good points to bring up. There's just so many things that happen. Well, I don't want to dig into every, because again, this was a super long episode. I just wanted to kind of hit some of the high points. um, Yeah, yeah. Because there's so many new characters, old characters sort of brought back in. um, Stories that are kind of retread, because we've already hit on some of them. Um, so we're just kind of rehashing them here, but, um, well, yeah, if you want to end it, well, at the end, near the end of the episode, they were playing, um, a clip of Mark where he says at the end that, well, God is speaking to me and he's saying now all that I should be doing is loving my family and preaching the gospel. And I just thought. That isn't what God is now speaking to you. That's what you should have been doing the whole time. That's all it is. And he's saying, now this is what God is telling me to focus on now. Just this. It's like, what were you focused on before? Not that. Well, and that (laughs) goes back to his, really his original calling. Yeah. You know, if you remember back in the first couple episodes, it was love grace. Yeah preach the gospel and train men. Yeah. Like that was his mission from God. And yeah. And that's what's sad. And that's what this episode, this whole season or series shows is 18 years or whatever of a man with a pretty well-defined and pretty effective gospel Mm -hmm. that lost his way, um, broke a lot of, you know, hearts and uh, ruined a lot of relationships and lives along the way. And, um, you know, before he finally... (laughs) <laughs> had his eyes, I guess the scales removed from his eyes. And, um, he ultimately, you know, at least the show doesn't say that he went into full repentance. So we don't know what the full outcome of yeah. this is, but yeah, it looks like, you know, he, he at least remembered back to his sort of original mission of yeah, love my family and preach the Bible. Um, I hope he sees that so. how he lost his way and then started so. at square one again. What it, it would be really neat if, he was on the last episode. <laughs> That'd be a big surprise. That would be because I don't know. After all the trash talk from Mike Cosper, it would be kind of odd to like interview him, knowing like, oh man. Be good. <laughs> so well, yeah, and the, I guess the next episode comes out November twenty third. So they yeah. say. So we will definitely be reviewing that for you guys. But do you have any last things as we wrap this up? Hmm. Uh, I don't really have anything new. Like I said, it was just a lot. Like I'd want to go and listen to it again. And I'm sure there's just way more points that we could talk on. But yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot to learn from it all. A lot. Just listen to it. And yeah, I mean, my final point here is just, yeah, toxic leaders. You know, Mark seemed to be that. Um, 
but this is a bigger issue than Mark. And like mm-hmm, you definitely. mentioned, if you are in really, if you're any, if you're in any church, I mean, first off, if you're a pastor, definitely you need to be aware of, you know, your tendencies, your flaws. Um, mm-hmm. you need to not surround yourself with yes men. Um, right. and then if you're in a church eldership or really just a, if you're a church member, for God's sake, you need to take it on yourself to not just cower right. and, you know, just be in awe of whoever your pastor is. I don't care if it's John MacArthur or Mark Driscoll or just Bill from down the street leads your small church. Like you need to correct them when they're wrong. Um, you need to be open to their correction. Like the church is a family. It's a body mm-hmm. of believers. And it, you know, it only works when we're not a threat to each other. We're not a threat to each other. And it only works if we're all like following Jesus together, Mm -hmm. you know, and it sounds like Mars Hill and these elders, they were following Mark. Yep. They were in awe of Mark. Um, You know, they even talk in this episode where they realized as the church sort of advisory board that looked at the finances was like, yeah, we need to get Mark back here pretty quickly um, so we can get this money rolling back in. and. Just, you know, you're a family, keep each other accountable. Um, yeah. I because think we're it, all liable to fall like this. I mean, right. Mark I isn't think, unique. Right. And I don't think we should look at Mark and say, oh, look at all his failures. Because God, over and over again, uses the Old Testament as an example to us, lest we fall into the same problem. Yeah. So it's not like he, yeah, he's used as an example. So let's not become so haughty and prideful to think we can't fall into any of the same um, kind of falls, I guess. Just the yeah. pride, the, the arrogance, and that, you know, one of the things that he said, the other terrible things he said is he doesn't take, um, I guess, advice from other pastors that have smaller churches than him. When did it get that far? And, and, you know, he wasn't even on that path to begin with. It slowly happened and everybody saw it, but they didn't want to admit it, you know, and they brought up the thing like the frog slowly boiling in water Mm -hmm. and it did. It happened over 18 years or what Jen Smith said, I guess. Or whenever Jesse Bryan showed up. Uh, You know, right. It's just, we can slowly fall into that kind of mindset. So I'm sure he prayed, God build this church, God do all this. Well, God did, but then what happened to him? Right. And again, and I don't think this is unique to Mark, you know, I don't, there's not very many churches I've ever been to, or I'm sure churches that are out there in the country that aren't, um, very, I guess, focused on growth. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that allure and that, you know, um, hypnotic, I guess, state if your church starts growing and really exploding to the way that his did, I'm sure can, we're all liable to fall into that trap of pride and arrogance. And, you know, our views change and where it was the gospel, but now it's business and mm-hmm. now it's books and now it's, you know, news yeah interviews and you know so we're all liable to fall so the gospel shouldn't be a burden like that to people the church family shouldn't be a burden no it shouldn't be but yeah keep this in mind i mean we're all liable to just you know either help or hurt people 
um, that are in leadership or not, you know, if you're an elder on a church board, if you're a member, if you're a pastor, like take this stuff to heart. And if you've looked back on your life and you've been going astray, you know, repent and make it right. And if you've allowed other people to go astray, repent and go and, uh, you know, stand up. Don't be afraid of the outcome. Do right. what's right and uh, let the chips fall where they may. So that is all yeah. we got. Please go give it a listen. Um, if yeah. you're on the podcast, please consider following us. Drop us a nice review. We'd appreciate it. Like and follow us if you're on uh, Rumble or YouTube. And we will be back next Wednesday or Saturday, I guess, with the news of the week. And then um, next Wednesday, probably with another Mars Hill wrap up. And yeah, wrap up. That's what we How got. Sad. It'll be over. <laughs> I'm about ready for it to be. But that's all we got for you guys. Love you. God bless. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.